0: Hey, welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the second broadcast of the new year, season four of the Stirring Faith podcast. I am Cherry Strange, your host. As I mentioned last week in our opening, I could not be more excited to be back with you. Plus, there are free resources this season for you to download. And I know people are taking advantage of this, and I'm so delighted to be able to provide them. So stay tuned. I'm going to remind you how you can get yours if you didn't catch that the first time. This year we're working with several episodes under a common theme. That's how we're organizing the seasons. The first theme we introduced last week, which is called She Yearns. It's basically looking at desiring God, yearning for God, all of the things that might be under that. And the first question was theological, asking, should we yearn for God? What does the Bible have to say about that? Is that an appropriate response to who He is and who we are? What does it really mean? to yearn for God or said another way to long for him how can you tell if you do or if you don't we talked about a few examples in the Bible where this concept is evident both in the Old Testament and the New in so many words and in not so many words but easily inferred by the context and the spirit of the situation the bottom line consensus to be taken by the authority of Scripture is yes we should every believer in Christ long for desire or yearn for more of the presence, more of the character, the work and power of God in our lives. Yes indeed, we should desire more of God in our lives. I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if this is not settled in your own thoughts and heart because it is a matter settled in the Bible, not by opinion of yours truly. I simply bring it all together for you in a nice package. Having settled the theological, we need to move on to the practical. If we should yearn for God, desiring more of Him on our lives, how do we do it? How do we ignite more desire, more passion, sort of God-wise, in all that we are and all that we do? Today, that's what I want to focus on. We want to look at five ways the Bible illuminates for us just that. So, the first one i want to jump right into i want to get going on this is that we ask for it we pray for it we plead for it honestly we jump right into it we're reminded by paul the urgency and essential nature for prayer in all things in his letter to the philippians do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god that's philippians 4 6 of the many things we need to pray over for our lives and the lives of others a deeper longing for the presence of god in our lives should be at the top the good news here is that we don't just have to sit on the edge of our chair wanting and wishing it's ours for the asking psalm 37 4 says to delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart delight yourself in the lord it's more of a command isn't it it's a directive It's not sort of a tentative suggestion. So we know from God's perspective, His desire is that we delight in Him. It's what He wants. We came to see this last week in the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 63 1, who cries out to God from his own heart's yearning, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh. Faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So if you find yourself wanting this reality more and more in your own life, we are given clear instructions. Ask Him. It's actually what He wants for you and your life and he wants to give it. So related to the first one to ask is number two, draw near. You and I want to place ourselves in a position where we can hear and receive what he aims to give. There are several benefits that are mentioned in the Bible for doing this, this idea of drawing near. We want to hone in on the reality, the act of drawing near that is central to increasing our desire for God in all aspects of life. The first one comes from James, the half brother of Jesus, who assures us our seeking, our effort, our move to be near God is not in vain. And he says it like this, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, you purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's very straightforward, James is. And then again we see the same idea in Hebrews, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Those are very similar. This Hebrews 10.22. What does it look like to do just this, to draw near today? Well, of course, it's related to the first thing we need to do, which is prayer, but not the flighty kind we squeeze in on a drive between errands. We're talking about focusing ourselves, just you and the Lord. Drawing near is like getting your perfect cup of coffee, sitting in your favorite spot and settling in with a good book. It's that feeling, that commitment, that intentionality. Or maybe it's just you taking a long walk, making that emotional, that physical, that spiritual space in your day to spend it alone with the Lord the only way that you can. Whatever that would look like for you, that's what we're talking about. Maybe you're listening to music and that frees your mind to hear from God. Maybe you listen to a sermon or a podcast that focuses your thoughts on Him and draws you near to be able to hear clearly a message straight out of His Word, to shape you, to reshape your attitudes, your habits, your agenda that sort of thing. Maybe it's more time straight from the Word of God. Perhaps it's journaling, thinking about what you're reading. All of these activities cause us to lean in, to listen, to pay closer attention and over time experience real, authentic growth. That's what it means to draw near. So that's number two. That's the second thing that we can do to sort of increase our desire for God. The more we draw near, the more desirous he's going to be in our life so the third one is to come thirsty now you may know the random fact about your host i don't care for water it's not my favorite thing but i wanted to change so desperate was i in this quest to be different (laughs) that i I downloaded an app. I didn't actually drink water. I just downloaded an app to help remind me to drink water. It's called Plant Nanny. Did it last year. Basically, every time you drink a glass of water, how many ounces they call you to drink. Your plant receives nourishment. Your your cyber plant on your phone. Eventually, you can earn special pots and you can graduate that little plantling into a greenhouse and you get a new one. And you can start growing that one and you can start placing these all in the greenhouse. However, I don't know what happens to them or even, I've never even gotten one into the greenhouse. I've only seen it from my sister's app. She did it after me. I did never make it that far. Not one single time. I killed every single plant I had because I didn't drink my water. The problem is not that I don't drink enough, period. It's that I don't satisfy my thirst with the right thing. Apparently, this has been a relatable analogy for centuries. I'm not alone in this problem. God knows this is a recurrent problem for his children. Long before carbonated drinks and aspartame, we, you and myself, and those who have walked before us have propensity for thirsting for what does not satisfy, when the solution lies right in front of us. And God is not cryptic about the issue. He doesn't hide the answer from us and make himself difficult to find? No. He calls us in. Centuries ago, he said to the people through the prophet Isaiah these words. It's one of my favorite passages. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. That is Isaiah 55 1 and 2. It's a beautiful passage that just communicates the heart of God to His people. This is one of my favorites because it speaks to my needs, my insufficiencies, my desire to be self-sufficient, self-reliant and okay in and of myself. But I cannot. It, It never works. My efforts are exhausting and are never satisfying to what truly my needs are. In case we don't make the connection, Jesus helps the people when he is walking the planet. See, he is this all-satisfying substance we are longing for. And he stands up and he says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, we find out from John, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus is it. And what he promises is better than anything I can do for myself. All I can possibly hope for is some temporary relief a sample, if you will. Nothing that truly addresses the need. Not like what is promised from from him in the Bible. Psalm 107 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. That's what Jesus is promising. What must you and I do in order to grow in our desire or longing for God? Aim our emptiness, our needs, and our lack of satisfaction to the only source who can fill it to overflowing. And at that same time, stop chuggle Plug in the stuff that will not satisfy. Here, there is no shame in being in need. In this place, you can arrive rock bottom empty, completely dry, completely having searched out the wrong thing every time. The call is to come thirsty, not filled, but thirsty so that our hearts can say, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? That's what your soul needs to long for. And we just want to aim towards that and stop trying to satisfy ourselves with the wrong thing. Just like I do trying to fill my body with things other than water. Number four is to treasure God himself. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. When we talk about increasing our longing for God, it's exactly that. It's not a longing for better worship music or for moving sermons or for a really good book with tweetable quotes or for me, for more opportunities to do ministry, for more godly friends. It's nothing like that. It's the pursuit of a real being. Granted, he's ultra majestic as the God of the universe but to settle for pursuing anything less would be to miss the mark feed on the source not limitations not substitutions eat real meals instead of getting filled on snack food and preservatives do you remember the story of Zacchaeus how he heard Jesus was coming to his town desperately wanted to see him but he was a short man his size and the crowds made it impossible but those natural limitations did not stop this man and nothing was wrong with him he didn't need physical healing power like some of the other stories that we've heard and people who tried to get to Jesus. He wasn't looking for a miracle or really even a personal one-on-one connection. He just wanted to get near the man than the crowds. His circumstances and his stature wouldn't allow it. So he did what he had to do and he climbed the tree. His encounter was to be completely one-sided. He was an observer from afar but persistence was his finest asset and it did not go unnoticed. This is what Luke 19 tells us and when when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw this, they all grumbled, He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it to fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to seek Saved the lost. This little man was only looking from afar, but Jesus had other plans. He was brought in close, called by name, and received Jesus joyfully. Zacchaeus received more than he ever expected and more honestly than he deserved. That's you and that's me. Therefore, we too should pursue the Savior himself. We too should consider it a joy to treasure him in all his greatness and who he is and what he can do for what he has done. But the focus should be squarely on him, not the stuff in the periphery. That is the lesson that we learn from Zacchaeus. Number five is to move toward the mountain. For this one we look to Elijah at what might be considered a low, maybe even the lowest of low points in his life. It's right after the big God contest took place between the Baal worshippers and God. Jezebel the Queen is now mad and has threatened his life and so he hightails it out of town and is on the run. And the Bible tells us Elijah was afraid so he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba in Judah and he left his servant there and then he traveled for one more day into the desert. He came to a small bush, he sat down under it, he prayed that he would die. Lord, I've had enough, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my people of long ago. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep now he'd fallen into a deep sleep and God miraculously feeds him by a raven because the journey he's about to take is going to be long in the middle of the desert during a drought he journeys for 40 days and 40 nights with no food and water after that moment to get to Mount Horeb Mount Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai it's where God revealed himself to Moses gave him the Ten Commandments it's where God places Moses in the cleft of the rock so that his glory can pass by and he gets to experience that. This is significant. Our Elijah, the man who just called fire down from heaven in a magnificent display before all the people of who God is and, who, and what he can do, has just told God he is so done with his calling in life, he would just as soon die because it just didn't make a difference. I mean, he wasn't making a dent in the lives of the people. Elijah's willing to go 40 days and 40 nights without any sustenance because he's so desperate To see God. To experience more of his presence in his life. Whatever that means. Whatever God's willing to do. Elijah is willing to pay the price to get there. He just needs to be where he knows he has been and this man is willing to get there because he's got nothing left now here's where this might relate to you and me I don't know how deeply you need to desire God in your life but if you do make fasting an option I would never suggest something like what we know Elijah did no food and water for 40 days and nights that was supernatural but considering your own health situation is giving up food for a period of time an option for you if you can do it safely for a meal two meals for three meals for two days, three days, longer. Whatever you decide to do is safe and is okay with your health. There are books and people to guide you. Hear me encourage you. Maybe you've never been in a situation like Elijah faced, where either he was going to head toward the mountain of God to see more of God or he would just finish emotionally spiritually and maybe physically. You could simply hunger for more of him in the healthiest of situations and if so all the more I recommend the same discipline. It's it's not going to be anything but good. If you are in a more desperate place familiar to Elijah Girl I have been there. Then take some time to pray about making your way to the proverbial mountain. Figure out what fasting you can do and exchange that time for seeking God's Face. I cannot promise God will take all the pain away. It's not a magic formula, but it is supernatural. I cannot explain how and why God honors the discipline. Done in the biblical way from a right heart, seeking His face, He will meet you, and yours will be the blessing of desiring Him all the more on the other side. I know this from experience. I know this from other people. It's worth what it costs you, and you'll never miss the food. (laughs) You just won't. So, if you haven't ever tried it, baby steps is what I would suggest. What Elijah experienced when he got there, he never got back into this place again. We never see him discouraged like this again. He just needed to experience a deeper moment with God, and if that's you, I highly encourage you to do this. Today, I've offered you five ways to desire more of God. You don't have to do all of these, but I can assure you that a greater longing, a stronger passion and a deeper yearning will develop when you You do some of these things. Now, before we finish the day, let me remind you about the new resources that accompany this Desiring God theme. You can find them on the website and it will be a pop-up on the page or there will be a blog that invites you to download the She Rearns reading plan. It's going to take you to a link where you need to enter your email address in exchange for the downloads and what you're going to get for that is a 30-day reading plan. Simply a schedule of passages that go along with what we're covering in the series. Then you're going to get a scripture writing plan. It's going to tell you which verse I would suggest that you write down that's inside that passage that you studied for the day then after that you're going to get some journal pages so that you have a place to record that they're eight and a half by eleven very easy to incorporate into a notebook or whatever you're doing and easy to print out and that's all going to come your way um, as a pdf and if you have not already become a subscriber to the show notes You get these in sort of an outline form. It's a different list, so you have to sign up for that separately. Um, Be sure to do that today. The notes will go live and are generally emailed out by the end of the week of the broadcast. So be sure to do that. They're just a helpful resource that allows you to take the notes, and if you want to talk about this over coffee with someone, it just gives you something to go by. It's my pleasure to do that for you. As I acknowledged last week, the podcast is very dear to me. I'm so glad to be back. I love it. I totally enjoy being here with you personally. Thank you for listening. I look forward to being with you again next week on the Stirring Faith Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week, and I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier. Please remember to rate, review, and share the podcast. You may never know the difference that you can make by just making a recommendation and sharing a resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify into your stories. I would personally be grateful. And remember... There is more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips. Just go to www.sheearns.com where you're going to find more reading plans, videos, articles, and other resources, more than there's ever been before, to help stir more desire for God into your everyday life. I'm Cherry Strange, and it is always a pleasure to meet you here.